we always aim to be like an NBA team. Like we want to do things that our parent club, the Bucks, are doing from an experience standpoint, from a social standpoint, from a sponsorship standpoint, from a community relations. I don't go in and be like, oh, this is what I think we should do just because of my own personal marketing background or just my consumer interest. Like, I'm a different consumer than someone who may be coming to a herd game. I'm someone that likes to have an impact in like different areas. In minor league sports, it offers you the opportunity to do anything. This is the Work in Sports Podcast. Here's VP of Content and Engage Learning at WorkinSports.com, Brian Clapp. Well, this should show you just how far we have come. In 2018, we launched the Work in Sports podcast, and one of our first moves was to create a private Facebook group for fans of the show to meet, discuss, and share. That group quickly got up to about 2,000 people and was an extremely fun spot for me to jump in interact, answer questions, and sometimes just be extremely dorky. Because at the end of the day, I don't take myself too seriously, and being dorky is kind of fun. We did this because one of the downsides of the podcast format is that, for example, we've had over 700,000 downloads of this show, but I don't know the names of the people who download. I don't have an interaction with them. I don't know what they do, what they like, how they behave, or anything like that. We haven't really built that kind of a relationship. I give out my email, people connect with me on LinkedIn. So I've met a lot of people, but I don't know everybody. This spot, this Facebook group was great for that. I got to know the fans of the show by name and I really loved it. And I could still recite a ton of those early people because they made such a huge impression on me. Scott McDonald, Gregory Goodman, Dasmond Evans, James Ebo, Zach Gross, I could go on and on and on and on. But this is where it gets really cool. One person from that group works for us now, Kelsey Smith. And another is today's guest, James Big Brain Price. At the time I got to know James, we were discussing his decision to get his master's at Northwestern, which is a great choice. And now four years later, he's still listening to the podcast and he's the director of marketing and digital for the Wisconsin herd of the G League. He also has an NBA championship ring since the herd are associated with the Milwaukee Bucks. And that makes me extremely jealous, but not bad, right? Well, in all honesty, despite our history together, the real reason I wanted James on is not so we could go down memory lane, but because I love the minor leagues as a training ground in sports. And James is doing it all in the marketing and digital world right now. Social, email, in-arena activations, promotions, and so much more. So there's a ton we can learn from James because He was just in your shoes. If you're in college right now trying to figure out your next step in your journey, he was just in your shoes. If you're early in your career and you're trying to figure out how to grow and expand, he is in your shoes. If you're leading people for the first time, if you're managing a team, James is the guy. So there's so much to learn here depending on where you are in your career and it fits for just about everybody. So let's learn a little bit more about James' experiences breaking into the industry over the last few years and the direction marketing and digital strategy are heading into our future. Here's my friend, James Big Brain Price. James Price, so great having you on the show. Thank you so much for joining me. I am so excited to have this conversation. How are you? I'm, I'm great. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, to be out here as, as a, a listener of this show from years back trying to kind of get advice out into the sports industry. I'm definitely excited to be on the, uh, the other side, kind of sharing advice from, from my career. So 
Definitely happy to be here and good to see you. This is funny, like to know that our show's been around for four years now. And in the early days, you were one of the listeners. You were somebody that I engaged with a lot. And now you're four years into your career and you're making things happen. And I I circled back and I was like, you know what? It's time to get James on the show. So <laughs> this is fun. This is cool, right? right? So so let's dig into this. So you clearly have a marketing focus. You're the director of marketing and digital for the Wisconsin Herd now. How did you figure out that plan? Like we talk a lot about people. How did you decide to get into sports? And everybody always says, you know, I played this, I played that. I was right. competitive. I love sports. But okay, let's go a layer deeper. Why marketing? Why did you lead yourself that direction? Yeah, so I would say my senior year at Marquette, I knew that I wanted to get into advertising. I knew I wanted to, you know, focus really heavily on storytelling. But I was trying to figure out, I'm like, but but like, what, what do I want to get into? Like, what product do I deeply care about? And the sports is kind of just a natural fit, just given my interests. But like to really dive deep into your question, why marketing? Like, I'm so obsessed with trying to figure out how do we get customers and consumers engaged with your product? Because it's so much storytelling. Like, there there's so many opportunities to, to be creative. And that's one of my favorite parts about marketing. And yeah, there's the data side. But for me... Like being able to be creative, like I wake up every day and like, wow, like this is my job to find creative ways to get people to us to your stadium, um, you know, finding ways to to highlight retail. Like there's so many things within marketing that that kind of is what piqued my interest. Um, and then I would say my my master's program at Northwestern, it was a sports administration program. And it's funny, I actually went into that almost thinking that I want to be like a general manager on the on the operation side. So being, yeah. you know, being being like a John Horse or the Bucks, being a Sam Percy of the Oklahoma City Thunder. But once I took the sports marketing class, like I knew deep down that like marketing probably was where I wanted to be yeah. in the, the the grad program in that class specifically kind of just put me into that mode of being in one and being marketing, trying to figure out fan development, trying to figure out how to engage the next generation of fans, you know, how to engage the next generation of consumers, generally speaking as well. And I think those are a few ways and reasons why I think marketing for me, that was something that it, it, it kind of just, it piqued my interest from the jump because I've always been very inquisitive and yeah. trying to tie in storytelling with, writing with photography um, and being able to do that. So I would say that's probably one of the bigger reasons why kind of the marketing track um, got me interested in it. Because truth be told, a lot of people say, they, a lot of people were giving advice like, oh, you can jump into sales. You can cold mm -hmm. call to get into the industry. I'm like, yeah, sure, that's fine. Like, I know that's a very viable way to get in. Yeah. But I was like, if I'm going to get into this space and I'm really passionate about from the marketing lens, like that's a whole different angle and something that I think I can provide my skill set in. Yeah. And I love what you're saying too, about how forward thinking marketing is. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in this conversation, but it's always like, well, how, what else can I do to bring an audience? What else can I do to build attention into brands? Right. So there's always this creative force of like, all right, what's next? What else can we do? And I, I love that challenge as well. Okay. So, you mentioned Marquette, Northwestern, two amazing schools. You're clearly a very smart cat. Um, marketing changes really fast, though. And so it's been four years since you graduated. You finished your master's in 2018. How much has it changed or how, how different was it going from 
the classroom experience to the practical application. You started out with the York Revolution in Atlantic League Baseball. You've gone to the Wisconsin Herd. How was how different was it being on the ground doing the job as compared to a, what you saw happening in the classroom? Yeah, so it's funny. I remember actually listening to the show and you actually called me Big Brain James. Um, just about, <laughs> That's right. I remember that. Like, That's funny. Big, I will never forget Big Brain James when I was talking, <laughs> and, and when I was trying to figure out was grad school like the right route um, in terms of what I went through for my career. That's right. I um, forgot so, that we had that conversation. Yeah, yeah we talked we about did. this. That's great. <laughs> yeah, so, Northwestern's always a good choice, my man. I'm it, glad you did it. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, it's, it was an experience that definitely kind of kind of propelled me into my career. But I think like the, one of the, the, the biggest things that I learned about from going from the classroom to going out to, onto the field, so to speak, was, I mean, it's work. Like it's yeah. while like, while sports marketing obviously is, is, is so exciting. There's so many different things that you can do, like going from the classroom and learning about marketing strategy, learning about different group projects. Like when you get there, it's work, but also, like there is no, you know, one size fits all approach. Like you're dealing with, when you're dealing with consumers, you're dealing with marketing, you're dealing with things changing on a daily basis. Yep. And you're dealing with like consumer feedback when you're dealing with customer service. Like, and that's the thing, like running social for the revolution. While obviously there's so many different things creatively that we did, highlighting theme nights, highlighting giveaways. When you're in the job itself, like there's this huge element of, like things are moving fast. Like and people want answers like right away. Like, yeah. like if, if there's something wrong with if there's something wrong with their their ticket or there's something wrong with food and beverage, like you can't be like, oh, you know, I wonder what I wonder what theory this is, or I wonder where this fits <laughs> in the marketing textbook, right? Like it's like, no, it's like, no, you need to have two or three very actionable solutions immediately. I mean, even when so working in baseball, you deal with you know, fan, fans getting hit with, with, with baseballs, like that kind of thing. There's no textbook on that. There's yeah. no textbook on that. And there was yeah. one time where a little, uh, a little kid ended up, ended up getting hit. And my immediate reaction was one, we need to go find, we, I ran to the office and trying to figure out, okay, um, one, where, where's, where's a grab bag? Where is something that we can do to kind of help soften that blow? Cause obviously there's a physical element where they're yeah. in, uh, they're, they're going to be working with, the team doctors or anything along those lines or like the paramedics, but I'm thinking, okay, how do we elevate this customer's experience like immediately? Like, and, and so I immediately grabbed, like, I didn't even think I ran to the office, grabbed like baseball, different signed autograph items, all these different things. And I, and and it's funny. I went to my boss. I was like, this is, I was like, this is, this is a good taste, right? He's like, absolutely. Yeah, you're like, this is okay, right? I'm not going to get in trouble with this. Yeah, so like, and, and that, like, that was, that's a, a prime example of like, yeah. you can't, like, you can't sit on your, you can't sit on your hands. Like, you need to be moving like immediately because these are people's lives that we're dealing with. Um, yeah. And I know that example is obviously on one end of the spectrum, but to me, that's a microcosm of like, when you're, like, you have to move quick when you're trying to capture something for social media. Like there is no, there is no replay. Like there is no, you can do this over with. Like if you missed it, you missed it. Like like you yeah. have to be able to, to make sure that you're organized and making sure that you're p- putting yourselves in the right position. Because like, I, I definitely like the project management of just your own projects and, and figuring what you're going to do, let alone what other people are doing and how marketing relates to it. That to me is some of like the, it moves so fast. Um, and it kind of, it, it, t- it kind of blew me back a little bit. Um, and I had worked full time 
in some in um, in some sense, but it definitely was super super quick. <laughs> where I had to move. Yeah, and always have your battery charged in your phone and always have it in camera record mode and Absolutely. you're ready to go and ready to go at a moment's notice. Uh, so you mentioned it there, but the the miners especially are all about versatility. It's the more you can do because every night is so, it's less segmented. Like it, when you're in a pro team, you tend to do a specific role, but right. when you're in minor leagues, smaller staffs, still huge expectations. Right. You do a lot of different things. Has that been part of the fun of it though? Like, would you have, would you enjoy that kind of having a little bit of everything that you're involved in versus having, you know, one specific niche? Yeah, I definitely think so. Especially earlier in my career too, because I'm someone that likes to have an impact in like different areas and minor league sports. It offers you the opportunity to do anything. Like, and even things outside of your own department, um, Cause like within like with the revolution, I mean, we were doing, I was handling social media. I was handling photography. I was also writing game scripts. Like yeah, I also, yeah. you know, I was helping out with community donation requests. I was helping out with fan pack requests. Like I was helping the sales team with their messaging. Like you get to, it's incredible how much you get to do um, in such a short amount of time and I'm working in minor league sports and for people who are interested kind of in this space, I highly recommend it, especially baseball, because you have to grind when you're in baseball. Like you are yeah. doing so many different things. You have 70 home games like we were at the Revolution where you're there every game trying to put on the best experience for fans. But you get to do so much and you get to have so much impact. And that's that's what is exciting to me. And yeah. It can be it can be exhausting just because you are doing so much. It's a long but season, the, yeah. It's a long season, but at the end of the day, working in minor league sports, it really gives you that skill set to really fine tune all these different areas. Like because the role I'm in now, like I always say, like working in baseball, doing so many different things, it kind of set me up to be successful in the role I am now, especially overseeing a department. Whereas yeah. even in a support role, like I was with the Revolution, I mean, you get to touch. You get to touch areas that I, you you didn't even think of, and two, people like when you come to them and 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 you're offering help because it is so small staff that like mm -hmm. everyone needs help all the time. So yeah, yeah minor league sports is it's like honestly you wear like a badge of honor, um, yeah. being able to tackle so many different tasks and to do it still at a high level because like you said, it's still it's still a it's still a sports team, it's still a business, and people's expectations they don't care if there's only 10 people on your staff full time. Right. Like when they come to the game or they're, they're interacting with what you're putting out, they it should be high quality. Yeah. Yeah. They have full expectations, <laughs> even if you have a smaller staff. Okay. So you jumped to the Wisconsin herd of the G league. Uh, you're the director of marketing and digital. As you mentioned, you have leading a team now. What were those early aha moments when you're like, wow, this is different? You know, like not only the change to basketball, but also being looked at in a leadership position rather than an individual contributor. Like what were those initial phases like? And was it kind of like, whoa, this is different? Yeah. So I think probably one of the biggest things is understanding that we were tied to the Bucks and like what that affiliation meant. Because when I was with the Revolution, we were independently owned. Like we didn't have an affiliate because we were in the Atlantic League. So yeah. it's equivalent to like double A, but we, I wasn't reporting to people at the, you know, at the Yankees or at the Astros, right. but with the herd, there was a lot of feedback and there was a lot of interaction with the marketing department with the bucks. Um, and like, it's like, yeah, I'm leading my department, but I also had to, I was like, I was learning really quickly how much 
what we do, obviously, from a budget standpoint, but even from a branding and marketing standpoint, it all funneled into what the Bucks were doing. And from a storytelling social strategy standpoint with the revolution, I was kind of doing, I, was a, I wasn't off the road. Whatever you but want. Like, yeah. But I was doing, I was kind of doing what I want. Like I was doing what I yeah. wanted. Um, and it was proven to be, to be successful. Yeah. And, and when I moved to the herd, like I had to, I had to show people, I had to basically prove myself to say, Hey, like I, I can do this job, like, without having my hand held. Um, and especially, and especially coming from a support role to lead, like a leadership role, Mm -hmm. like there was a lot of like, wow, like I need to make sure that I'm being proactive and sending out, Oh, this is what we're doing from a strategy standpoint, or even all these KPIs. Like when I first came putting together a 30 day plan, 60 day plan, 90 day plan, you know, what's, what's our media plan strategy? Like I had never did media buys before. <laughs> right, right. So like I, I was, ha- I was managing a budget and I'm sitting there like, okay, like this has to get done. Um, I'm not in over my head. I know I can do this, but well, like, let me I Google to, that. <laughs> let me Google right, that. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. like, I, so uh, the, yeah, I think some of the, the other moments was just understanding that like, it was okay to ask for help in a leadership role. <laughs> Because it can be so easy once you get to a leadership role, you're like, oh, I think I, I think I know, I think I know everything, or I think I should or I'm know everything. I'm supposed to know everything. You're supposed yep. to know everything, and I'm sitting yeah. here like, yeah, I just came from a position where I wasn't um, kind of in that position, um, and that was definitely an eye opener. And two, just you're leading people now, so like, you're not only you're not only focused on what you're doing from a operation standpoint, but you're trying to figure out like the strategy and like the tactical things for your staff. So like the inter- like interns that I were, um, that were reporting to me, even communicating with other managers who they had a lot more experience. So the, the tone of what they were saying might've been different. And I had to start to become more comfortable as a leader. It was kind of just like a huge eye opener um, in those ways. Just, you have to really think big picture quickly. So when you're starting out and it's a pretty young franchise and you've got the oversight of the bucks, but you're trying to carve your own niche. You're trying right. to do things your own way. How do you even start to prioritize? I mean, as you were saying earlier on, there's so many different aspects to marketing. Marketing isn't just one thing. It's not just I do this thing. There's so many different avenues, social, digital, ticketing, activations of the arena. I mean, the, any kind of media buys, like you're saying, there's so much that goes into it. How do you start to prioritize and be able to say, this is where I should focus and make sure that that's like the right decision. What was your approach? Yeah, so I would I looked at it like a couple of different ways. Like when I'm thinking through like what we need to be doing from a marketing strategy and storytelling standpoint, I kind of try I try to separate the two. So I try to say, okay, my focus and energy from a ticket sales side is going to be okay. We're going to be doing more paid social because we didn't do a ton of paid social before I came, but we're going to do more paid social, um, highlighting season memberships. Yeah. Um, group outings, party decks. That was probably when I first came in because I came in in the middle of the season. That's the part that also that's was hard crazy. too. Yeah, um, that's hard. That was difficult. Like I moved to move from York to Oshkosh, which is a move probably most people don't make. Um, <laughs> <and> I, <laughs> I moved from York, Pennsylvania to Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And like when I when I got there, I was like, okay, what are we going to do from a ticket standpoint immediately? Like these are the games that are suffering um, from an inventory standpoint. How do we boost that? But then you also have like this other piece where like brand awareness is still super important for a team yep. so new. And I basically had to do a, a really dive deep into what the market was, what was that, what were their habits? So 
for example, we still did a decent amount of print just from a general awareness standpoint and a general and ticket standpoint. So we were doing, we were using newspaper. Um, we, we still do a lot of radio. We still do TV because our market and our fan tends to skew a little older and that's just kind of what they were um, yep. digesting. And that's the thing, like, it's like, I never, I don't go in and be like, oh, this is what I think we should do just because of my own personal marketing uh, background or just my consumer interest. Like, I'm a different consumer than someone who may be coming to a herd game. So yeah. understanding that was, was big. And two, understanding that there still was this big component for the social side. So like, I wasn't using, I wasn't using dollars to boost our engagement or impressions. I was really trying to do it organically. So whether it be, uh, you know, I developed really close relationships with the people who run social at the Bucks. So like they were amplifying a lot of our messages, whether, whether it was uh, like a player getting a sign or just general ticket messaging. I would say, hey, like, can you all help us out from an amplification yeah. standpoint? And then I guess also tied to like going back to that ticket side, which I was talking about is developing like a really fine tuned kind of email marketing strategy so we could so we could develop a, a consistent cadence because that's what I was noticing is there wasn't a consistency with what we were doing from a messaging um, and execution standpoint. And I think one of the biggest things that's helped with a newer team is you need to develop a consistency in getting in front of people, reminding people of who you are, who like, wh where's your product? How much do tickets cost? Parking is free. Parking is not free basically anywhere when you go to right. these sporting events and like really understanding like these very key key identifiers that would get people to a game when it's 10 degrees outside and they're watching xyz show at home like how do i get people out so even though it's funny you were saying you do so many things when it comes from like a strategy standpoint and like building and showcasing who the herd are thinking it in those two ways is important because you, we can't just go all brand awareness when you're trying to get people to the game like you need to get specific and targeted and figure out okay what are the strategies that we need to put in place to try to get people here. So it looks like social, and obviously you're you're what you're you're discussing like the early days of getting established and creating a lot of your processes, and then the, the focus on ticket amplification and letting people know the options that are out there. But it also looks like social has been a pretty big push for you guys. The herd consistently rank in the top five in the G League in engagement and impressions. What's been kind of your secret sauce? What's been your approach? Because social's noisy, right? There's yes, a lot of brands, so a lot of much. teams. Yeah, a lot of teams <laughs> are sharing dunks and three pointers and highlights or whatever. But how do you kind of carve out your engagement and get more interest there? And how does that lean into your, you know, interest in storytelling too? How do you use social as a as a different kind of amplification tool? With social, like the basketball part is obviously huge, right? Like we exist solely because we need to, we're getting players called up to the bunks, called up to other NBA teams. But yeah, given my background with the re revolution and there's even in public relations before, I also knew that there, we need to make sure we're tying in these other avenues of content. So I think of it as like community lifestyle, and then you have the basketball piece. Those are the, those to me are like the three pillars that I really kind of try to think about. So we don't have the same access to players as like the NBA teams do with their players. Cause a lot of it is very transitional. Like a guy could be there one week and he could be traded the next. So yeah. like, so we're trying to figure out, okay, from a lifestyle standpoint, what can we do? Well, I was like, okay, sneakers. That's a, that's a, that's an easy one. Yeah. So we were doing different things. Like we were um, doing like a sneaker showdown. So we were, we were doing showdowns of sneakers from one of our key players, Frank Mason. Um, 
what what he wore. Even towards the end of the season, we had a compilation of different sneakers um, that players wore um, that we had fans vote on. And I will always stick to something when I see that the results are are good. Like, and I know that I know that may sound weird, but a lot of times it can be easy to just try something once and it goes well. You're like, okay, we did it, and then yeah. you know we, we won't we won't do it again. But for me, I'm like, if I if I see that like, people are responding to something, we'll we'll just continue honing in on it and really focusing on that. And then even from a community standpoint, I think we the herd we do a lot in the community, but the story just wasn't being told from a okay. What organizations are we working with for our Jersey theme nights? You know, who yeah. are the nonprofit beneficiaries? Who are these partners related to that? And I think being able to, to, to just storytell and like these very, these different avenues, I think that's huge. But also too, going back to the basketball side, like we really try to hone in on like this individual piece because I've noticed that a lot of the followers we have, is we have a strong fan base, generally speaking. But since... A lot of these guys, like people want to follow their career. So like we had Luke May on our team, who was a North Carolina legend. Um, Mm -hmm. And like having him there, you're kind of working with him and say, okay, what are different content pieces that you want to do? But also like if people want more Luke May content, give them Luke May content. Or like this past season, we had Mamu um, from, he played with Seton Hall. He was Big East co-player of the year. I noticed on Facebook, we put out a couple Mamu posts, had like, 2000 likes probably yeah. in like a couple hours and i was like i we, we get really good numbers but that was really really high and once yeah. i figured out let's lean into that and, and once I, I actually talked to him and he said the and he's from the republic of georgia and he told me okay. that most of them use facebook so i'm like okay, okay that makes perfect sense so like that to me is like another just a small example of like really really leaning in to like hearing what's happening and just having fun because like it is minor league sports. We can highlight the Wisconsin Curry night and um and and, and do and highlight you know curry eating contests. We can use our mascot to do um, some clever content like that. To me, is where I think some of my storytelling skills have kind of boded me really well. And understanding what the league is doing too from a social responsibility perspective. So you know we have Black History Month. Yeah. Um, you know, hoops for troops, like understanding all these different themes and latching onto them. I think those are just a few key ways. I think that we've done a, a great job of doing that. Um, and it helps too, that we have a f- full-time video person yeah. and they came on last year and that's definitely helped from that content capturing perspective. I like how you're thinking of product market fit too, because you're, you're identifying your audience and saying, okay, who are they? Where are they most likely to listen? And where does it make sense to and how to approach them. And it also comes down to, oh, your athlete, he comes from here and they use Facebook there. It's like, let's push him there. So really understanding that fit. Like you wouldn't have gotten any reaction if you were pushing on a different channel. And you may not get the attendance numbers if you are promoting your events on Twitter and your audience just isn't there, you know? So it's just really smart to think that extra layer deeper to say, who are we trying to talk to and where do they hang out? And that's right. that's so important in this entire process. Yeah, especially because like it can be very easy to just blast everything everywhere just because that's what's been done. Right. <laughs> and it's like, no, like I'm always like, I don't want to just do something just because it's been done, like it was done before. Like it's like, no, we need to figure out what's the what's the science behind actually promoting this on this channel, um, versus like like even on LinkedIn, we, like we promote different things on there than we would our Instagram. It's right. just the nature of it. You right. have to be very mindful of that. Yeah, 100%. So the herd was recognized with the inaugural 2021-2022 NBA G League's President's 
Choice Award. That's a mouthful right there. Uh, <laughs> so that's the award is given to the team that demonstrates what each G League club should strive to be. So I ask you, what is that? What should every G League club strive to be? And and why why did the herd win this recognition? What did you guys do to stand out for that? Yeah, so I think being a, a community player is one of the huge reasons that I think that we won. And as being a community player, you know, having having strong sponsorship, having strong digital engagement, like they take all these things into account. But I think we do it with a level of professionalism. And I think that's something that's very, very important because with whatever you're doing, even though it is sports and even though it's fun, it should always be a level of professionalism. And, and when, when we're promoting our product or when we're out in the community, like there should always be like this very high quality product because like our staff, while it is obviously minor league sports, we always aim to be like an NBA team. Like we want to do things that, the parent club, the Bucks are doing yeah. like from an experience standpoint, from a social standpoint, from a sponsorship standpoint, from a community relations, even with our mascot, we're, we're trying to figure out, okay, you know, what is Bango doing? That's something that we could implement. Like we, we always aim so high. We really do try to be original. And of course, the, some of the best ideas come from, you know, bits and pieces of other ideas, but we really try to be original um, and, and our approach and looking at, all these different business business challenges and and things that we can uh, kind of focus on. So yeah, I, it, uh, we were all like we were super pumped to to get that because like for the president of our league to say okay the Wisconsin herd they embody kind of what all these different departments and pillars like that to me is huge because the G League is still relatively new to a lot of people yeah. and people are trying to figure out who they are. So to be able to get an award. Um, that highlights kind of what that franchise should look like and to be the first one. Like that to me is even more exciting because now we feel like other G League teams are going to be trying to go for this you award. You set the bar, in yeah. To, right, like, because yeah. it's, it, it's, it's, it's a badge of honor to be able to have something like that tied to your organization because it shows like the work that we put in to operate at such a high level. So your much better looking brother uh, works, for, <laughs> works for the bucks and he's an email marketing. Uh, and I saw a picture of you two both with your championship rings, uh, oh, yeah. which was, which was really super cool. And I'm a Celtics fan. So that hurts me to see you guys wearing those rings, but I was happy for you. Um, and I'm happy for myself right now because we're recording this right after game one. By the time this yeah, airs, by the time this airs, it might one. be different, but right now I feel good. <laughs> <laughs> but right now I feel good. But anyway, um, your brother's with the Bucks and that's really cool to have that kind of family connection. I'm sure that's super important for you, but Definitely. does that, that end up being the ultimate goal for you is saying like eventually I want to work my way up to the pros or whatever or is this the niche that you enjoy? Do you are you like no man this is this is fantastic I love this challenge day to day. So man that's that's honestly a great question because I I wrestle with it all the time. Yeah, it's so difficult because like I love like the creativity I get in this role, but I do think like ultimately one day I want to have a little bit more niche role that's focused even more on marketing um and, and just digital marketing. Because like right now, like, I'm doing, I'm juggling like retail, I'm juggling social, I'm yeah, juggling email, I'm, jugg I'm juggling so much. And while, I, while it is exciting earlier on, ultimately, I do want to be a chief marketing officer for a, a, for a pro four team. So and then, and then to me, I'm like, I can go even, I can get even more fine tuned. I can go even all, all in even more on 
kind of um, that marketing space yeah. and diving deeper into like the analytics side um, and, you know, diving deeper, even like, you know, to, to storytelling. And because <laughs> when you are in like this, mi- in the, in the minors, you're doing a lot of the execution on top of the strategy. Yeah. Um, you get burned out quick. You, right. It, you can definitely get burned out quick. Cause I, after I worked in baseball for a, a stint, I was like, wait, do I even want to work in sports anymore? Yeah. Which is funny. Cause like, that was like the whole goal was to be in that. But and of course, I was just, it was just a matter of like, you just, you feel burned out. Yep. But ultimately, yes, I do want to kind of have a more defined um, niche, niche role. Uh, and I don't know when that'll be. I don't know if it's three years from now. I don't know if it's five years from now. But I have been thinking a lot more about it as I, as my career goes along is I want to, I think I, I do believe that getting a bit more kind of niche, I think will help me. Yeah. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, timing, the right opportunity, things like that. No, I totally get it. Those questions of career and focus and where you want to be are so hard to zero in on, but you're in a good position right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm really happy for you. And when you become the CMO of a pro team, I hope you come back on the show and talk to us all about it. Uh, for sure. I, uh, I already, so, I'm, I'm already, already out of mark. <laughs> oh yeah, there we go. Uh, two last questions and then we'll, we'll wrap up because you've been so th- uh, gracious with your time, but I'm really curious about this. We always, we keep talking about how cutting edge marketing can be and the direction we're headed and how much things change so quickly. What gets you excited about the direction we're going? I mean, in the last year, we've talked about NFTs. We've talked about names, right. image, and likeness. We've talked about AI. We've talked about sports betting. Like when you look at it from just even stepping back, not even just a member of the herd, but from a, just stepping back at the whole sports landscape, the whole sports marketing world, and it doesn't have to be something I just listed. I'm just saying like, what gets you kind of excited about the direction this world is going? And sports teams have so much influence even like the brands that athletes are building yeah. and like they're creating their own, they're creating their own platforms and audiences. And that's exciting because teams can latch onto that and they can like really think deeper about what they're doing. And I think that's probably what's so exciting. Like this, this is athlete empowerment. And I think that's something that is very, it's beneficial in so many different ways, not just from a business perspective, but just from a personal standpoint, it's, it's exciting. And I think, women's sports specifically that to me is like the that's that's the frontier that we all need to be paying like really close attention to because they're 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 raising up a generation of fans who are empowered to speak up about social issues they're empowered to speak up about equal pay they're empowered to speak up about what they're passionate about and it's not just they're not just the athlete anymore and like I mean, for example, like uninterrupted, like yep. that, that, that's, that's a prime example of like a platform that you can do so much, but now like the power is in the athlete's hands and they don't have to wait for their PR person or they don't have to work. For, they don't have to wait for somebody to come up with their own message. Like these athletes, they can put out whatever they, whatever they want. And, and some PR staffs or teams are, they, they probably makes them probably keeps them up at night. Oh, hundred <laughs> um, percent. Yeah. But like the idea of like, especially from a marketing standpoint, being able to latch on to what players are doing and to teams can use their platforms for good. Like, and they can use it for good in so many ways. And that's exciting to me because I always, while I love the business of it and the challenges, I also think it's important to give back. So to be able to use these platforms to highlight current issues, not just not issues that were issues 15 years ago, 10 years ago. And like people are going to pay attention to it because it's sports. So like 
but whether they agree with it or not, that's yep. one thing. Like, you know, like right people, we all can have an art, we can have your opinion, but the brand awareness and the awareness of these causes in so many different ways, I think that's probably what's really exciting to I, me. I completely agree. And I love the fact that athletes are using their platforms that they've developed to not only get out their personal brand and their own stories, but to bring awareness to issues, to bring awareness to change, the need of ch for change, and to use these platforms, that, these 4 million followers that follow them around 24-7 and right. use them to bring awareness to different campaigns and different stories out there. I think that's amazing and really exciting, and I'm glad you brought it up, and I'm glad you brought up women's sports as well. We had on Camille Buxeda, who's the director of WSLAM a couple weeks ago, and she's just awesome. blew me away. So she's so there's a lot of great momentum going on in women's sports now, which I love. Uh, we'll finish up with this. I'm so appreciative of your time, as I said. I've seen you post that you you going in and teaching it. I think it was Wisconsin Oshkosh where you were helping teach in a college classroom. What do you think is important to get across in those messages when you're talking to college kids? What are you trying to get across to young people who want to work in the sports industry? What do you, what do you really value getting out there? Yeah, so I love those opportunities. And I'm actually so... In the fall, I'll be teaching a social media advertising course at UWO. Oh, congratulations. Um, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So um, they didn't, that's, like, that's like breaking news. Um, <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> you, you heard it here first. Yeah. But I love those opportunities because it allows me to, to give back. Um, but more specifically, I want, I, I want students to like, when, they're, when I'm talking about marketing, when I'm talking about sports marketing we're talking about social advertising like i want them to understand that like if you want one of these roles you need to showcase your work and your creative thinking i always i always tell people like it doesn't matter if you're a chief marketing officer or you know your entry level like if you have the belief and the passion that that you can showcase your creative thinking you can do some of the same work that a cmo does now of course there's there's work that goes into that but I always I try to empower them to really believe that because it can be very easy to think, oh, I'm a student, you know, I can only do X, Y, Z, or you know, these are these are the roles I I should be thinking about, or this there's another one. People are like, oh, I'm not creative, and it's like, no, we all are creative. Mm -hmm. You just have to work that muscle. Like you have to creative writing is not easy. Like it's nope. hard. Like writing for social is hard. Like people always have feedback. People always have something to say. Like. I want people to like really understand like you can be just as cr creative and successful as me. Now you got to put a lot of work in because I put a lot of work yeah, into this. Yeah. Like I put in, I put in a lot of time doing part-time jobs. I did a, put in a lot of time doing volunteer work, but you can get to the same spot I am if you put in that work too. And having the approach and having a proactive approach to your career and being empowered about it, I think is probably one of the biggest things I try to tell them. And like, and a lot of students is, it always feels good when students come back and say, wow, that was so helpful to be able to, to get something tangible. Cause I never liked yeah. that I was in class and I couldn't, I, I didn't have something tangible from a guest speaker. I'm just like, Oh, another guest speaker, um, uh, you know, brushing their own ego or stroking their own ego. Great. Yep. I'm like exactly what I needed in this time where I'm trying to figure out how to get into the, one of the hardest industries to work in. Yeah. So for me, when I'm in those, like I don't take those situations lightly at all. I'm sitting there really, trying to think through how to empower them. And two, I have a conversation. Like I ask them, okay, what's your favorite social platforms now? Why? Yeah. Like I try to get them to think and react and respond and to hear what their perspective is. Cause that not only helps me, 
but it helps them understand kind of, okay, what are the avenues that I want to get to and how can I do it? Yeah, it's market research for you and it's also pushing them to think. I love it. <laughs> right. You no, know, it's so true too. I mean, one of our big philosophies on this show is like, I always say that word actionable. Like we have to be making giving, providing actionable advice. Somebody, I don't want, they don't want to hear just theories. They want to hear, what do I do here? Like, what do I do? Right. Give it to me straight. Like, let me know what am I supposed to do? And so we're always trying to be as actionable as possible. And I think that's the, the best way to teach. So I'm glad you're doing that. James, big brain, James. <laughs> I am so thrilled to have had this conversation and bring it full circle. And you got to promise me when you're CMO, you're going to come back on because this is a great conversation. Thank you. No, for sure. No, thank you. I is like I said, it's, it's exciting to be on the the other side, so to speak, to be able to to share kind of f- feedback and my career experiences because I know like getting into the industry it can be so hard, yeah. Um, and it can just be it can just be a lot when you're so passionate about it and you want it so bad. So like, I'm honored to to be on the show and share kind of a little bit of my background and helping the next generation because that's what it's about. Big thanks to James for coming on the show and for still being a listener of the program. The guy's been listening for four years, so I feel like I owe him something. Now, in all seriousness, though, I love to see the journey that he's been on, the things he's learned, the challenges he's taken on, jumping into the minors in minor league baseball, getting into the G League, growing and expanding there, managing a team. And, you know, there's so much ahead for him, but I love his perspective on marketing, digital strategy, understanding your audience. There's a ton of things we could learn in there. So thank you to James for coming on the show and sharing. Thank you for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the Work in Sports podcast because that is how we grow. That is how we remain in the top of uh, rankings in your podcast distribution channel, wherever you listen. Spotify, Amazon Music, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Google, wherever you listen. If you rate and review, that helps us remain high so other people can find the show, listen, and learn. And that's important to us because we want to keep growing and we want to keep reaching the audience and helping. So thank you for being a part of our community. Maybe we should bring back that Facebook group. I just ran out of time. I couldn't manage it all. Nonetheless, I'll see you on Monday.